Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, this is such a new experience for us, especially for me, looking at a camera where I'm so accustomed to seeing people's beautiful faces in the congregation. Yeah, so good morning. I don't know what exactly is going on at the moment um, regarding things, but I would like to say a big welcome to my little brother, Frank, and my older sister, Charlene, who have joined in the conversation. I'm really glad you got that worked out. So thank you for joining us uh, for church. They've not actually been to this church here before, so I'm glad you're able to attend remotely, even though you're in New Zealand. And I see there's some pretty crazy things going on over there. A few weeks ago, I was just back in New Zealand, and I was celebrating my dad's life, who passed into eternity on my little brother's birthday, for that matter. So on March the 4th, my dad passed into eternity, and, and it was a great privilege for me to be there. And we caught up with a whole bunch of people that we hadn't seen in a long time, and I caught up with a whole bunch of friends, especially uh, some of my friends that I grew up with, which was really quite nice. So the likes of Albert Jessup, Damon Fupuliai, who were my cousins, I've known them for years, Ian Hume, who was the best man at my wedding, Solomona Lamoni, who was a, a great encouragement, who lives right around the corner from me, and Vinnie Nashu. So at our family service, I caught up with Vinnie and Damon and Ian, and what they were doing is that they were organizing a dinner, because when I'm back in New Zealand, we often catch up and we share in a meal of some sort. So, you know, Vinny said, well, we'll get things sorted out, we'll have ourselves a meal and we'll spend some time together. And I thought, that was great. So after my dad's official farewell on Tuesday morning, the, uh, the 13th, oh, not the 13th, the 10th, I believe, uh, we organized something to catch up, just to sit down and have a meal. So we were waiting. On Wednesday, I was expecting a a meal uh, to get some details to find out what's going to happen, where we're going to catch up, when we're going to catch up. So as the day sort of moved on, as it got further, I didn't get any contact. I didn't know what was happening. So I thought, okay, well, they'll eventually catch up with me. My little brother, Frank, he was going to come along as well and just catch up because he knows all the same guys. Even though we're nearly, you know, we're nearly 50, um, we still refer to ourselves as the boys, uh, which is pretty, pretty sad, actually. But on the other side of it, we're waiting, and then eventually Frank, as the, as the day sort of progressed, Frank goes, um, yeah, I'm not going to go to the dinner. I'm, I'm going to take Samantha, you know, his daughter, my niece, of which I'm the favorite uncle, I'm told. Uh, my niece, he goes, I'm going to take him up to Wendy's. And I says, you going to be okay? He says, yeah, the guys will get in touch with me. And then my sister goes to me, oh, hey, um, aren't, you, aren't you going out for dinner? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, oh, okay, we're going to get together soon. And so she goes off with her family, and, and she grabs herself some dinner. And then my other brother, he goes, hey, uh, aren't you going out tonight? I says, I, yeah, I, I think I'm going out. Yeah, the, the guys will let me know. And so they go, they go on out to the owner, my, my other brother, Rod, and Tim. They all, everybody's doing stuff. And I'm still there waiting to find out what's going on with my dinner to catch up with all my mates. Uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30, I finally get a call from Damon. So Damon from Pulley, my cousin, he goes, uh, hey, Joe, did, um, did Vinny call you about where we're having the dinner tonight? And I says, uh, no, no, bro. And he goes, oh, because we're all at the Cleveland Co. at, at New Lynn waiting for you. And I'm like, no, nah, bro, I, 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 he didn't tell me, man. He didn't tell me. And, and so he's like, oh, we're really sorry about that, but that's where we are. We're in New Lynn. We're at, at the Cleveland Co., and we're going to catch up with you there. Then I, ha then I hang up. Then, then Ian calls me straight after. Ian says, oh, Joe, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, 
poorly organized. Nobody contacted you. Vinny organized everything, but no one actually contacted you. And so you think, it was funny. It was funny because, like, it was an honor of, an honor is not the right word, but it was to celebrate you know, me being back, and I was completely forgotten. And it's funny unless you're the one being forgotten. And so I eventually got there, and, and Vinny, because he's a character, he goes, oh, man, Sol- Solomon, you had one job. And he goes, you didn't tell me nothing. You know? So he was shifting the blame, and throughout the night, he blamed each person for not contacting me. And I, and I, thought, I thought it was quite hilarious, but I, thought, I did actually say to Vinny and all the guys, he says, I'm going to use this story in a sermon. And so if I send this link to you, Vinny, this is for you, brother. But, but the reality is this, the reality is this. Sometimes when we get caught up in the busyness of life, sometimes when we get caught up in organizing things or we are downtrodden by a whole bunch of things, um, sometimes when we're just sort of crowded out in our lives, we forget some of the most important aspects or even better, some of the most important people in our lives. Not that I'm saying I'm the important person in my friend's lives. So please, I'm not trying to say that. But what I am saying is that we often forget who God is. We often forget the position God holds. We often forget the authority God has. And so what I want to do this morning and what we're going to do over the next few weeks, starting from after next week, because our brother Jono is going to be here next week, uh, coming into your homes, just like I am right now. That's really quite creepy. So we... We're going to come into, he's going to share something from the Word, and then we're going to go through and work our way through the book of Colossians. Why? Because the book of Colossians focuses on the supremacy of Christ, his preeminence, his transcendence. And in the uncertainty of today, with everything that's going around, we can forget who it is we know and who it is that we follow. So I'm just going to share from you from one verse today. I'm going to open it a word of prayer. And let's look into the Word together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you so much for your Son. We thank you so much for the ability now to share and proclaim your Word, even to homes that are across the sea. So we ask now that you will guide us through your Scriptures, that you'll open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, soften our hearts to respond to your Word and your message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. But I'm going to read a number of verses to you because I think it best captures that transcendence, that supremacy, that preeminence that Christ has. But I'm only going to focus on one verse today because I think this one verse helps us to refocus our lives and refocus our direction or or our vision on him that we need to have our focus on. So starting from verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1, we read this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by God's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That's an amazing passage. I would encourage you to read and to study that passage one verse at a time, because it just magnifies the sheer greatness of who Jesus is. And that greatness never changes. But there's just one verse that I want us to focus on, and I guess I've entitled this sermon, Who is He in Yonder Stall? It's, it's from an old hymn, which is a great old hymn. Uh, Jono, one of the five, six people that are here, just was like, what? What's this? If you have a chance, it's a great hymn. It says, Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord, uh, the one, oh, wondrous story. Tis the Lord, O oh, King of glory, at his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. There's like 24 verses, and it repeats that stanza each time. But who is he? Because that, I think, is the question. Because in verse 15, we read this. The Son, and that's the verse I want to focus on today. The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. What is an image? What is an image? It is an accurate portrayal of what something is or what something appears to be. If you're looking at this on your computer, on your phone, on your TV right now, you have an image of me. And I would like to think it's an image that is an accurate representation of what I look like and of what I am saying. Even though I am not actually there, you'll see the shine off my head. I've I've actually grown my hair to help dim the shine. I don't know if that actually worked. We'll see how that goes. But an image is an accurate portrayal of what something is or what something appears to be. A mirror reflects an image of what you really look like. That's why the Word of God is referred to as a mirror. A picture is a captured image of a situation or of a location. Some have said, I am the spitting image of my dad. Well... When he still had a full head of hair. That's, that's the only difference with my dad. So when Paul writes of the Lord Jesus here, he states that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. The image, the accurate portrayal of who God the Almighty, God the Creator, God who transcends, that is the image, that the person of Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the mystery of God incarnate, the Word made flesh, John chapter 1, verse 14, the immortal, the invisible, the God only wise. Why? Because because God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24 states that. Therefore, Jesus Christ is the accurate representation of, the exact image of God Almighty, which you look at then the the attributes of God, the the conduct 
of God, the qualities of God, the, the reactions of God in creation is manifest and seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Which means this, as you read through the Gospels, you see God's heart toward the hypocrisy of religious hypocrites, of the religiosity of the religious leaders of his day. You see how God responds to the poor and those that are in need. You see how God's heart responds to, to, to seekers and, and to searchers and to those who are pursuing self-interests. You see all of these things of how God would react because you see all of these things in the person of Jesus Christ. You see how he would react to various people. You see when he would reach down and accept children. You see when he would hold people accountable when they, they consider themselves better than others because of their race. You, you see when he would be willing to, to take in someone that is rejected by society and welcome them into his arms. You see the very heart of God communicated in the person of Jesus Christ. See, for those of you who remember Yusuf Aziz in church, he actually spoke at our More Than Conquerors youth camp a number of years ago, and he came and spoke at church. And Yusuf, congratulations, by the way, Yusuf. Uh, Yusuf, just, his wife just gave birth to twins. So um, we, from, on behalf of GCC, bro, um, congrats for your wife. She did all the hard work. Uh, well done. But on the other side of it, though, Yusuf Aziz, when he shared at church, he actually said, he actually said that when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount in Matthews 5, 6, and 7, what, what Jesus was doing was demystifying who God is and bringing him down into a context where he can be known, where he wasn't a God afar off, but one close at hand, that he is a God that is personal and involved. And, and you see this, this intimacy, you see this interaction in the life of Jesus. You see how Jesus accepted a tax collector that was rejected by everybody in Luke 19 in the person of Zacchaeus. And when he was up a tree, he says, come down, I'm going to eat at your place tonight. And you see this life transformed. You see his compassion on a grieving mother who lost her son in Luke 7. You see his rejection of institutionalized religion in Mark chapter 12. In a world where everyone is an expert, in a world where everyone can Google the answer and where everyone has an opinion, it is important for us to view Jesus as he reveals himself. Not for what I want him to be. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. We must view Jesus as he reveals himself, not for what I want him to be. This is because he holds a very unique position, which is the second part of that verse in verse 15. He is the firstborn over all creation. This title is something that Paul utilizes from his own Jewish heritage. It is a way of saying someone was especially honored. For example, Israel was referred to as the firstborn in Exodus 4.22. David was referred to as the firstborn son in Psalm 89.27. It's not focusing on their birth order, but rather their place of honor before God. Uh, when I was back in New Zealand, the line that I often used was, uh, I'm Joe, I'm dad's favorite son. I guess you could say biblically, I'm Joe, the firstborn of Stan. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Sorry, Frank. Okay. But 
It, was, it had nothing to do with, because I'm the second youngest, it had nothing to do with your birth order, it had everything to do with how you're viewed. Thus, Paul was emphasizing when he said the firstborn over all creation, Paul was emphasizing the place of honor that Jesus Christ has over everything, over all creation. Now, Alan Redpath, which is a, 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 he's an old school author, he made this quote, that Jesus Christ should have in our hearts the same position he holds in the universe. Jesus Christ should have, the, should have in our hearts the same position he holds in the universe, and that is sovereign. That is in control. Now, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether something happens or doesn't happen the way you want it, it will never take away or diminish from the honor and majesty of Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And this is what causes me to stop and to ask, to you right now, who is Jesus Christ? To you, how do you see him? How do you view him? This is something I'd like for you and I to meditate, not just now, but each moment. If someone was to ask you to explain who Jesus is, what would you say? If you had to refer to Jesus from one of the accounts in the Gospels, which would you go to? What aspects of Jesus' life, what experiences in your own life that you've encountered the King of creation for you and that you can communicate and testify of for yourself. Because we serve a personal God. We serve our Lord who knows us intimately. That we are known by him. That's an amazing thing. So how then can you communicate that reality to those around you? To you, who is Jesus Christ? What is the invisible God that is revealed in the person of Jesus that stops you in your tracks and, and causes you to just... Praise him, that, that, that holds you to just be in awe of, of who he is. How do you see Jesus Christ? Because when you look at these stories, you, you see his heart when he, he weeps at Lazarus' tomb. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He didn't weep because it was just being sad. He, he wept because... In, in, in the very face of Mary and Martha stood the resurrection and the life. The, the one who gives life was standing right there, and Mary and Martha couldn't see it. They couldn't see hope that was personified in front of them. They couldn't see the, they couldn't see the, 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 the blessing that he is in his very presence. They couldn't see the resurrection power in the person of Jesus Christ, which I think a lot of us don't see because we are blinded by the situations and by the circumstances that surround us. We need to have the capacity to see beyond that, that even with the finality of death, Christ still shines. Christ still reigns. He is still in that place of honor as the firstborn of all creation. 
you read and see his anger when he saw the abuse of his father's house, a place of prayer used as a place of merchandise in, in John chapter 2. Verse 16, and, and the image of, of his anger of seeing such a, such a blasphemous thing take place, that a place of holiness, a place of prayer, a place of intimacy, a place of communion had now become a place of business. And, and his anger of, of overturning tables, I mean, he, he created a whip. He created a whip and beat people to say, get out. The zeal of his house had consumed him, of his father's house. And, and so to you... Who is Jesus Christ? His acceptance of others without compromising God's standards and God's law. For example, in John chapter 8, when a woman caught in adultery, we, we read about the Pharisees bringing this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, and, and Jesus accepts her but calls her to repent of her sinful ways. John chapter 8, verse 11. Go, he says, where are those that condemn you? They've all gone. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You have the acceptance of a Roman centurion in Matthew 8 who understood how the authority of God worked when he says, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. You merely say the word and he'll be healed. That's abs- when a woman of ill repute goes into the house of Simon the Pharisee in Luke chapter 7 and, and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and, and, and dries them with her hair and, and puts an alabaster box of perfume over it, over his feet. It's absolutely amazing the acceptance he gives of her and then calls her out of that life and from such a reputation. Not to mention his willingness to teach others, whether it be Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the religious leaders in the temple, his disciples, and and even children. His willingness to sacrifice himself and die in order for you and I to live and escape judgment. To you, who is Jesus Christ? Once again, not what you want, but how he reveals himself. Because it doesn't matter what I think of him. It doesn't matter what you think of him. Because everybody has their opinions. When I say to you, who is Jesus Christ? How has he revealed himself to you? For he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, evident by his authority. When I say the firstborn firstborn over all creation, it's evident by his authority that he demonstrates over nature when he calms the storm. He says, be still, quiet. Mark 4.39, or commanding a tree to stop bearing fruit in Matthew 21.19. The authority of his person where even demons trembled at his presence and asked for his permission to go into a herd of pigs in Matthew 8. Or even at the name of Jesus, which we read in Philippians, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, We are going through a pandemic currently. People are getting sick. People are passing into eternity. Some knowing who Jesus is, some not knowing and going to a crisis eternity. We can wonder why. We can sometimes question the purposes or the reasoning behind of, of, of what we go through. You know, why this? Why that? Uh, why, why, why this now? Why going online? Why remote interaction? Why huddling our, in our homes? And instead of trying to understand the situation from God's perspective, 
perhaps we should be looking at how we can seek to fulfill the call of God in our lives in this new context. Maybe that's the way we should be looking at it. And what that may look like. Maybe it does look like me coming into your homes each week on your tellies. Sorry. As I've shared in the past, our context may change, but our calling remains the same. Our context has changed. It may be for a temporary ba- on a temporary basis. It may be longer term. But the context has changed. Our call remains the same. Your reaching out may take the shape of dropping toilet paper off at a neighbor's house. You, you, your reaching out may involve you helping the elderly with shopping. Your reaching out may look like contacting single parents who don't have the chance to get to do groceries because they work and then look after their kids. It may be us offering services to help single parents to shop for them. Today is an opportunity to show the reality of Jesus Christ is not only in prayer but also in practicality. The image of the invisible God, the image of the invisible God revealed himself in the person of Jesus. He contextualized who God was so people could relate and interact with him. He contextualized. He left heaven and came to us. He involved himself with us and gave us an accurate picture of who God is. Okay, our calling remains the same, which means then if we are the feet and the hands of Jesus Christ, then we too can contextualize who Jesus is in this current situation. To reach out in some way, adhering to, adhering to the standards and the restrictions that have been put in place, but where we can to serve and to show the reality of who God is. So today is an opportunity to show who he is. The image of the invisible God who loves, who cares, who provides, who protects, who pursues, who sacrifices, who accepts and forgives and holds this place of honor over everything, regardless of the context of what is faced, irrespective of the difficulties we experience or the restrictions we might have, faith in him doesn't exempt us from hard times or make things easy for us, but it does allow us to interpret our situation and our circumstances from eternity's perspective. We must never lose sight of the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. As shared on the devotional wall recently, in the apparent silence of God, there can on our part arise doubt, fear, and apprehension. Questions like, is God in control? What is God doing? Or does God even hear me? Can spring to the forefront of our minds. But the psalmist, this is taken from the 19th, I believe, the devotion. Psalm 77, Asaph does something that we can do too. That in the silence of God's answer, he chooses, what Asaph does is he chooses to remember the Lord. To remember who he is to remember what he is capable of, where he moved in life, when he moved in life, and how he moved. Psalm 77.11, which I encourage you to memorize, says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. 
Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Things may not be going our way, and we may question what is currently happening, but I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the miracles of long ago, because it's easy for me to forget all the good that God has done when bad arises. But if I look at what I have in Jesus Christ, who he has made me, then I see the might of his hand that saved me from my sin. I see the greatness of his being and him becoming a man. I witness the power at work in me through the Holy Spirit. I experience deliverance from sin's power and penalty through faith in Jesus Christ. I receive his provision, recognize his involvement, respond to his leading, and stand in awe of his majesty. Lest we forget, he is still God. He is, and that doesn't change. He is Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of the Almighty. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is my Lord, and He is my friend. He is the one who loved me and gave Himself for me so that I, too, can live with Him. So as you go on today, My encouragement to you is to focus on who Jesus Christ is. This current situation doesn't take away from his lordship, nor does it take away from his control. But he's allowed this now for us to not only draw close to him, but to show his reality to others. I want to close in prayer. And I didn't actually... I want to ask Jono to, to close after that as well. Okay? Any final announcements? It's going to be his third one. It's his third cameo. We're going to swap around next week. So if you want to bow your heads, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this new, new venture that has taken place. I pray that you will help each of us as individuals to seek your face, to seek your glory, to realize and understand that you are the image of the invisible God, the Son who loved us and gave himself for us and rose again from the dead, that you are the firstborn over all creation, and that you hold that place of honor, irrespective of what takes place around us. We pray, Father, for your guidance now. We pray for your wisdom, and we pray for you to move, even in such dire situations. We pray for those people who have lost loved ones at this time, and ask that you will comfort them. And we pray also that your You'll surround them with people who know you and can share with them the reality of the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. We ask for you to dismiss us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks very much.